For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul. On this edition of the podcast, sounds like a Jerry Seinfeld question. What's the deal with genital piercings? This show is going to make you cringe and cross <laughs> your legs. I can promise you that. But fascinating stuff because obviously we, we talk about things that people do. Maybe not you and me, but other folks do it and plenty of people get their genitals pierced. We're going to find out why they do it, how they do it, the pain involved, and uh, all of that jazz. So to talk about nipple piercings, vaginal piercing, vulva, vulva piercings, and penile piercings. Uh, that one that one will make you cringe, my friend. Look, I don't want to tell anyone what to do or not to do, and if you love it, I support you. High five, go get her. All I can tell you is from where I sit, I have I have a hard time with like belly button piercings and even nose piercing and ear piercing. Not that I don't like them, just that I can't imagine getting like a hole put in my face or in my ears or in my belly button. Like I struggle with that. Like it kind of makes me go, oh, I don't think I could do that. So when you go uh, to the nether regions, I'm going to put that to the power of two. I think this might be oh, yeah. uncomfortable for me. I, to me, I worry about the pain. Yeah. More than I worry about anything else, it's the thought of the pain. Now, I have a couple of tattoos, and I can tell you getting tattooed where I got tattooed on my foot, that was freaking painful. And like to think about piercing an area, oh, uh, no, I, I, to me. <laughs> but look, when you speak to the piercers, they'll tell you. It's like seconds, right? The pain lasts only for seconds. But then the aftercare and... Like, to me, there's a whole lot of things. Anyway, we will talk to a professional piercer who will answer all of my questions. You will get the questions and you will be enlightened or you will be, maybe you're into the piercing, you'll be like, hey, I'm glad people are talking about this to, to educate others that, you know, it's 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 kind of cool or it's not as scary as you think it is. So we're going to well, learn that's stuff. That's what we're all about here. That in moments, of course, uh, if you go to our Instagram page, you can send us questions and comments and be interactive and there's videos and there's a whole bunch of stuff. So make sure you give us a follow. Please do. Passion with Dr. Lori and John Paul on Instagram. And we're trying to, you know, grow our community. So be part of it. We would love to have you there and we love to answer your questions. So let's go to the mailbag. Love, sex, relationships. It can get complicated. We all have questions. Dr. Lori helps with the answers you need. And we start with this one. Dr. Lori, I'm a 58-year-old man. And although we never had marital issues, after 22 years together, she left me for someone else. I haven't so much as had lunch with a woman in over five years. Yeah, ouch. Let alone had sex. Masturbation relieves. But I long so badly, if not for a relationship, just a roll in the hay. Any suggestions? I've been on dating sites. It's not working. Prostitution is illegal, but what about escorts? I almost feel like I just need to cuddle up and uh, have a little bit of sex. It's killing me at this point. I pray that you have some advice for this lonely situation. God bless and many thanks. 
Oh, this is a tough situation for this poor gentleman who clearly has to grieve the end of his marriage to be able to move on. I mean, imagine being like, sometimes it's it comes out of left field, right? Yeah. So you're together 22 years and boom, person's gone. So I'm sorry for, for this person's loss for sure. Um, but finding a partner, which I think this is what this guy wants, is a partner, not just somebody to have sex mm-hmm. with, but he seems to want some level of companionship and intimacy, which frankly, you're not going to get from an escort or a prostitute or a sex worker or whatever you want to call them. So that that's, that's just not going to happen. But it does require effort. If you want to meet somebody, it requires effort and you have to keep at it. It's like finding a job, right? You don't just apply once and then sit back and, and, and chill. So getting out of the house, joining some activity groups, there are plenty of 55-plus kind of uh, uh, meetups and, and uh, play, you know, groups where they, they do activities together, where there's sporting activities or community activities or uh, all kinds of stuff. You can volunteer. Uh, you can, I don't know, do, take up yoga mm-hmm. or dance classes or things where you're going to be in contact with other people who share similar interests. That is your best bet. Now, when it comes to, I'm not sure why you haven't been successful on the dating sites because they work very well for most people. You know, pretty much everyone I speak to has met on on uh, dating sites. Sometimes it's the way you've presented yourself. Sometimes it's your profile. And sometimes it's worth kind of working with a dating coach to... Um, figure out what you may be doing wrong uh, or what you can do to maybe attract more. And sometimes it's so based on just looks that it doesn't really give you the full picture of who you are, which is a problem on these uh, on these sites. But if you just get involved in different activities, people get to know you as a whole person and not just what you uh, may present physically, so I think that's a that that's really important. So, mm-hmm. I just want to reassure this guy that there are plenty of single or divorced or widowed women out there in in his age category, looking for good men to date. So, <laughs> uh, just don't give up hope. Okay. I think the reality is, as you get older, it does get more difficult because more of us are set in our ways. But your point is a valid one. There are lots of active folks out there that are active in everything from golf to books to sewing to cooking find someone that you're compatible with in your interests Uh, the rest will take care of itself and ultimately we all we're all looking to love and be loved like most of us right so it's not that we can't find or that we're so set in our ways that nothing works I find actually quite the opposite is the older you get the less you are to focus just on looks and the 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 more open minded you tend to be mm-hmm. at least talking to single people in in their middle aged and beyond so um, I think there's, there's a good chance he'll meet somebody, but he's got to go about it the right way. There you go. Also from the mailbag, Dr. Lori, I have orgasms while asleep and often repeating continuously to the point of pain. Is there a reason these happen and is there a way to prevent it or lessen the intensity of the episodes? I've never heard of repeated orgasms, intensity, 
of pain while sleeping before? Well, I've certainly heard about orgasms during sleep, and I can talk about that. I'm not quite sure why this person feels pain. So during our deep sleep, like our REM sleep, there is an increased blood flow to the genitals, which can lead to sexual arousal. So if you throw in like a sexy dream or something like that, you, you know, bingo, you get yourself um, a climax. Mm -hmm. So I don't, um, I'm not quite sure why there's pain unless there's congestion and the orgasm isn't happening that could be a, a possibility i read some studies actually that was it was interesting that women who report nocturnal orgasms actually are women who are have a lot of trouble having orgasms in real life hmm. so and if you think about it, it kind of makes sense right because a woman's orgasm is often related to what's going on in her head. So if she's very distracted or very stressed or other things are happening, it may be hard for her to focus on her pleasure. But at night, when she's not thinking about all that stuff, then her body is more relaxed, so she's able to reach orgasms more more easily. And it's a very, it's very much like a wet dream for, for guys, I think, if, if guys understand that. So... Um, Again, not sure why the pain is happening. My only, the only hypothesis I can come up with on the spot is that maybe the orgasm isn't happening and there's, she wakes up with a lot of congestion, like uh, pelvic congestion. So maybe masturbating when getting up in the morning might help relieve that. Hmm. Fascinating. We learn stuff. We love your questions, whether they're about sex, love, or relationships. You can send them to our socials, or of course, you can always go to drlaurie.com. Passion for learning, life, and love. Coming up in Sex in the News, Florida is suggesting when it comes to sex education, there's something we sh- just shouldn't say. It's a bit, uh, that's a bit crazy as far as I'm concerned. We'll give you the details on that in moments. First, what's the deal with genital piercings? I am joined, we are joined by Nico Manette. He's a professional piercer in Montreal and uh, he's here to talk to us about something I don't think anybody ever talks about. Uh, and that is not piercings in general, but genital piercings. This is a show about sexuality. So obviously my curiosity goes right there. Um, like why the hell do people do this to their genitals? I think is my biggest question. What's the motivation? First of all, there's, there's a lot of, uh, reasons, um, people get their genitals pierced. A lot of them can range from just a, a way to reclaim your body after suffering, uh, you know, assaults or what it may be. Um, just taking back control, um, aesthetic purposes. Um, and obviously also, uh, for extra stimulation, there's, there's a lot of different piercings that have different, um, functionalities to them we'll say that do different things uh so yeah that's that's mostly the 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 biggest reasons i would say all right well we're gonna uh, we're definitely gonna go into that pleasure part of it but historically like i know i've read into uh, like the prince albert piercing Mm -hmm. and that comes from literally prince albert from i don't know which century or whatever it was where he got some kind of piercing. Like, I'm not quite clear on the, the history of it. And when people mm-hmm. started doing this uh, and when, when, I don't know, when it became common, I'm guessing you do quite a bit of these. 
yeah, they're unfortunately at my location uh, in my studio. They're not as popular as I would like them to be. Okay. Um, but I, I still do quite quite a, a few of them, which is really nice. Um, and as far as like the history behind them goes, the piercings have been around since humans have been around, you know. Right. Right. So there, th- there's just so much, um, so many different reasons why and, and facts and stuff. And it's it's difficult to keep track of everything. Right. Well, there's a long history is what I think. And a long history yeah. of body modification. So it's not yeah, yeah. It's just new, but somehow has become... I, I don't know if it's mainstream quite yet, but you're a professional in this, obviously trained in this. Mm-hmm. If you're getting trained in genital piercing, it means there's a demand. <laughs> so clearly. Yeah. You know. So what are the different kinds of piercings for men? Well, for um, people with penises and, and testicles, there's there's a, a hell of a lot of uh, of different piercings that you can do on, on a penis, scrotum. Um, you can do, uh, well, Prince Albert, like you said, uh, which goes through the urethra and comes out underneath the glands. Uh, you can do a reverse Prince Albert, which comes out the top instead. Uh, you can do an apodravia, which goes completely from top to bottom through the glands. An apolang, which goes side to side through the glands. Uh, a dido, which goes through like the, the ridge of the glands. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, frenum, which goes through like the, the frenulum of, of the, the foreskin. Uh, Jacob's Ladder, which goes uh, all the way down the shaft of the penis. You can do uh, a hell of a lot of things. Uh, on the scrotum, you can pierce completely through, do transcrotal piercing. You can do just like a surface scrotal piercing, uh, a guiche piercing, which is like in, in the actual gooch. Um, and all of them serve different purposes, uh, which is pretty neat. I'm sure people are listening to this and are squeezing their legs together and going, yeah, oh my absolutely. God, like how would like, you know, and especially yeah. people with penises tend to be a little shy about needles and stuff. So I can only imagine yeah. like that, you know, piercing is more than a needle. It, it's much thicker than a needle. Yeah. Yeah. They, they tend to be, especially with genital piercings, you want to go in a larger gauge um, just because thicker is safer. Uh, tends to heal a lot better too. So yeah, they, they, they're pretty chunky, pretty chunky needles. They can be very intimidating, but I, I always tell my clients, regardless of the piercing, whether it is a genital piercing or just an earlobe or a nostril, it's, it's a piercing. It hurts for a second and it's over and that's it. For a second, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These penis owners must be very brave to allow you yeah. to do this to their junk. Like I Absolutely. cannot imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about for penis owners, the, the, uh, the benefits in terms of arousal, how does it increase arousal? What does it do for them personally? So for like them personally, um, especially when you're, you're piercing in the glands, what it can do is obviously offer more stimulation, right? So um, like 
when you're doing a, a if you have a Prince Albert or or something like that, uh, it the, the jewelry itself can like stimulate the the glands from the inside, right? The inside of the urethra and stuff. Um, there's also a uh, a modification that you can do that's called a uh, in French, it's called a mitotomy. I don't know what it's called in English, but basically it's where you split the urethra, but from the bottom of the gland, you split it and then it opens up when you're aroused, you have an erection. And then that is just like a lot of exposed nerves. And apparently it is next level stimulation. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot, a lot of crazy things. Um, but it mostly, it, it's stimulates mostly your, your partner, I would say. Okay. So yeah. And then, which parts? Like, how does it stimulate the partner? So, well, during intercourse, obviously, you know, the jewelry is going to be stimulating uh, qu- quite a bit, um, you know, on the inside, whether it may be or, or from the outside. Um, there's also a lot of different things that you can do if you start getting into, uh, you know, kink and BDSM. There's a lot of, uh, like, artisans, I would say, that craft uh, special chastity cages and stuff like that right where you can hook your piercings into it and and stuff like that so there's a lot like it's not necessarily just like physical stimulation it would also be like mental stimulation you can bring a lot of of different aspects to it which is is really nice is it more common in the bdsm community to have genital piercings yeah i would definitely say for sure i mean it is uh thanks to the the kink and BDSM, specifically the gay kink and BDSM community that, that I have a career. They're the ones who popularized uh, body piercings, okay. um, which is is fantastic for me because that's why I'm here. You have a job. Um, yeah. yeah, that's it, right? So yeah, there's there's a lot. It would it definitely comes from more so the uh, the, the BDSM and, and kink community for sure. So that's it's like the, that's like the more recent history of it. So they they yeah. it's been around, but they popularized it. Exactly. It, yeah, it's been around for for thousands of years, but they're they're definitely the ones who brought it to the mainstream. Okay, and and all for the purpose of increasing and looking for new forms of pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, pleasure pleasure dictates a lot of uh, innovations and yeah. what we do and things like that. Yeah. But then now I'm concerned about so for the general piercings and in touch with a lot of other bodily fluids, you've got a Mm -hmm. hole, like there's a hole, right? Like another hole or whatever from the piercing. How does that, how does that increase the risk of sexually transmitted infections? How does, how do you wear a condom without ripping the condom? Like what Mm. are the challenges here? So usually during my aftercare, what I recommend uh, to my clients is to refrain from any kind of sexual activity, whether it be with a partner or solo uh, for the first couple of weeks, um, after a couple of weeks, it's going to be protected sex only because other people's bodily fluids are full of bacteria and that could put you at risk for infections and stuff like that. Um, and then once everything is nice and healed, because genital, depending on, on the piercing, but genital piercings tend to heal fairly quickly because it's such a vascular area as well, right? Um, but as far as um, condoms come into play, stuff like that, you the a lot of them are, are fairly durable and depending on the style of jewelry you have as well, it's not necessarily um, something that you need to worry about so, so much. You know, it's a lot of trial and error as well. Um, but I would say like once the piercing is completely healed, it's it doesn't increase your risks of uh, STIs or anything like that either. It's just, no, once it's 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 healed, it's just another orifice 
no big deal. Another yeah. orifice you have to worry about. But you yeah. said the, you said the word vascular, and then I'm all I'm all I'm picturing is Nico bent down over a penis, and it's splurting blood everywhere as you're putting the the thing in. How that? How do you deal with that? It's it, you. Yeah, you just kind of fucking take it as it comes. You know, it uh, it, it does. Depending on the piercing, too, they they do tend to to bleed, especially when you're piercing in the glands and stuff. They they can get pretty bloody um so you always like i always warn my clients uh ahead of time you know don't don't wear your favorite pair of underwear if you're coming to the the appointment because there's a good chance you you can you can get them stained you know how many people pass out um honestly funny enough it's in my experience it's mostly the people that are are like watching like the the companions coming along for more of the they're usually the ones that pass out to be completely honest with you i, I think i can count on you know, I've been piercing, uh, this is my seventh year, and I think I can count on two hands how many people getting pierced have actually passed out on me, you know? Right. So a question here. Do you mm-hmm. have, do you pierce when erect or pierce when flaccid? So, uh, I mean, I would be incredibly impressed if somebody could stay erect during uh, <laughs> such a, a, an anxious and nerve-inducing uh, moment. You know what I mean? But... Uh, you know, if, if it happens, I'll, I'll pierce it erect, it, whatever. You know? It doesn't matter? It doesn't affect the, no. the work at all? No. No. no, I mean, I've never encountered, uh, I've never encountered that, to be honest. Like I said, you know, with the nerves uh, and the anxiety, <laughs> I, yeah, I've never, never seen that happen. Yes, ED induced yeah. for sure. No yeah. question about it. Does anybody ever get turned on after or aroused? Like, because it's a whole new sensation, right? For sure. I would say in my in my experience, uh, it's mostly when I'm piercing vulvas, uh, let's say um, a VCH, for example, it's uh, so that's a vertical clitoral hood piercing. Okay. And so that piercing goes through the hood uh, vertically and the jewelry sits and rests directly on the clitoris. So that the purpose of that piercing is for extra stimulation. So usually after that, you know, the, the client will we'll hop up off the table after the piercing is done and you just kind of see them like, Oh, you know, it's this, this new kind of feeling, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. And then you got it. Yeah. You know, you got to get used to that. It's, it's nonstop stimulation. So yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, there's actually a condition called persistent uh, sexual arousal disorder and women like hate it because they're in a constant state of arousal and they're constantly yeah. feeling like they have to do something to relieve the congestion. So do women ever come back and say, okay, take it out. This is, this is just too much stimulation for me. I, I've never had that happen. I I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if uh, my cat's going crazy. Sorry. Um, yeah, I would not be surprised if it's happened to other piercers, but me, I, I've never, I've never encountered that. Okay. Yeah. What other piercings do women come after? So we, you have the clitoral piercing. What yeah. else do they pierce? So yeah, there's, there's a lot that you can pierce, uh, on a vulva as well. You can do a Christina piercing, which is, uh, right, uh, on the mound, essentially. It's kind of very similar to a navel piercing, but for, for a vulva. So it's right at the very top, um, goes on the mound. Uh, and then you can do a horizontal clitoral hood piercing. Um, you can do VCH, as we already mentioned, uh, triangle piercing, which would also go through the hood, but behind the shaft of the clitoris. Okay. And so that's done with the ring. And what that does is when the person is aroused, 
obviously, you know, their clitoris will get engorged and then that adds pressure. So it's extra wow. stimulation that way. Okay. You can do uh, dukes, which would be two um, hood piercings on either side of the clitoris. Um, you can do labia piercings, uh, whether it be a menorah or majora. Um, the, yeah, there's there's a hell of a lot of, of different things to Princess Albertina. Uh, but oh, that's interesting. Princess Albertina. I never heard that yeah. one before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one is. Yeah, that one's pretty intense. That one's through the clitor through the clitoris so, itself. So the um, Princess Albertina would go through the urethra and out of the vagina. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's really really intense. Um, oh, personally, okay. it's not not really something I would I would uh, attempt. It's it's really uh, it's incredibly intimidating and scary. So I, if somebody, if a client were to come in and ask me for that piercing, I would definitely refer them to to someone else uh, with like at ten plus years experience at least. Right. Isn't um, there like big danger? Like, what are the risks? Because not everybody heals the same way you're on like you're dealing with very delicate and and Mm -hmm. also people's parts that they need and would like hate you forever if you messed it up so 100 percent. so that's why it's it's always really important to 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 research your piercers um and and talk to them do consultations stuff like that because if unfortunately in our industry there's a lot of people that just don't care about the client care more so about the money uh, and so they'll just take your money and do whatever when you're doing just whatever on genitals you you could potentially ruin someone's life at, yes. at the very least you know what i mean uh, cause irreversible nerve damage uh you know if, like like clitoris piercings let's say f- for example um those are are incredibly incredibly rare and again not ever something i would do um, cause yeah, you can cause irreversible nerve damage and then this poor person never be able to orgasm again, Fuck. Right. I'd rather right. die. That right. sucks. Right. Right. Exactly. You know? so, then, yeah. but, then that, but I think people need to be aware that of course there are risks. So you yes. like, like with anything, you want to go with the most expert people you can, and you want to go with, yeah. with people who have experience in that particular area. Cause it's not, you can't just go to you know, Claire's where you get your ears done uh, and say, Oh, do my clit, you know, yeah, that's just not yeah. going to work. And if they Definitely say, yes, not. you're in big trouble. <laughs> that's oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, exactly. no, no, no. So I think this is a, a like a, do- like an area that is so specialized uh, mm-hmm. because it's so delicate and has the potential to really cause damage if not mm-hmm. done diligently under proper measures cleanliness hygiene like these are things that you really have to consider when you're dealing with that hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, we yeah, one hundred percent, hundred percent. Because at the at the very least, you know, if if the the wrong kind of, of jewelry material, you know, it can get allergic reactions, uh, migration, which can lead, lead to, to severe scarring, uh, you know, things like that, you know, and then with the, the hygiene and the cleanliness, infections are, are real and, and serious and can potentially be life-threatening, you know, if, yes. if you're not sure what's going on, if you're, you're maybe nervous to talk to your, your piercer about things, um, you know, if you just, yeah, no, okay, this is probably normal, you can wind up in the hospital Right. And like an infection is the, the least of your problems at, at that point, you know, that's, that's terrifying. So yeah, it's really important to, to research, uh, do, do some research on your piercers, make sure they use, uh, you know, good jewelry, appropriate jewelry, um, and that they, they really know what they're doing. And do research on what you want and whether, yeah. and, and you have to do a risk assessment for yourself. How, yeah. do, you, how do you heal? How do you yep. normally heal? Some people, not everybody heals in the same way. If you've yeah. had bad healing experiences in the past, maybe it's not the best thing for you. So yeah. I think it's, these are really important. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's definitely not something I would advise doing uh, impulsively either, you know, because no, no. and like anatomy comes into play as well. They're very, piercings are very um, like anatomy specific, right? So if your anatomy isn't necessarily suitable for, for the piercing that you want, like just be prepared to have a, a backup plan because there's a good chance you might not be able to get the one you want. You, you know? see, that's a really good point because mm-hmm. like when you talk about I, that, what came to mind for me is like some women have a fused clitoral hood. They can't retract their clitoral hood. Yeah. Um, so you can do certain piercings on that if you can't retract it. So and there are, that. you're right. So for you as a piercer, you have to really know your anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I've, um, I've taken a lot of, uh, like courses uh, to, to further my, my knowledge and um, my techniques and stuff like that. Fortunately enough in our industry, there's a lot of really, really amazing piercers that offer um, extra classes, um, different techniques, uh, things like that, which is really nice. And I'm always wanting to, to take those class because I, you know, it, our industry is continuously evolving. I would like to evolve with it. And I've said since I started piercing the day, I think I know everything about piercing is the day I need to stop piercing. <laughs> right. Cause there's always something to learn and, exactly. and if you perfect, perfect, yeah. whatever profession you're in. The other thing is far more common, which are nipple piercings. So they're not yeah. quite genitals, but they are sexual in nature. Right. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they can be. Absolutely. So that's the most, is that the most popular for men for, for um, like, uh, female or male or whatever whatever i would say yeah as far as um intimate piercings go uh yeah nipple piercings would definitely be uh the most popular one for sure i do them almost on a daily basis um yeah yeah they're they're personally they're my favorite piercing to do as well which is always really fun so they're on all jet like all genders like yeah yeah that's it. If you got nipples, I'll pierce them. Um, I would say at my location anyways, uh, it is a lot more, uh, it's way more popular amongst women and, and women presenting folk. Right. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. And there, what's the, 
so it it, it increases um sensation like what what's the is it the look yeah. is it the aesthetics of it like what what is the so, driving force yeah so that that one of the that's actually a, a really good really good question so what one of the reasons why it's it's my favorite piercing probably the main reason why it's my most favorite piercing to do is because usually uh, in my experience, anyways, it's the one that's the most meaningful for people, um, especially with women. Um, you know, society has a lot of pressure on on women on how they should look, their bodies, all, all this stuff, you know. Um, and so I like I've had people apologize to me as they're taking their shirts off, like apologizing to me for how their bodies look. Wow. You know, that's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, every single time. And so a lot of people come and get their nipples pierced because they're, they're, they're unhappy with how their bodies look and the nipple piercings are a lot cheaper than a, a breast augmentation or a reduction or a lift or whatever, you know? So if, if slapping a, a piece of metal through your nipples is what's going to get you to love yourself, then it, yeah, fuck yeah. I'll help with that. That's amazing. Right. Um, another, another really good one is um, people with inverted nipples. It's uh, it can, you know, you get them pierced and then now your nipple will no longer be inverted. It'll be sticking out continuously, oh, wow. which is, you know, yeah, which is really cool. So I've done a hell of a lot of those too. Um, definitely for, for aesthetic purposes, you know, they, they look fantastic no matter what. But uh, definitely a handful of, of the clients I've pierced have been for, for the pleasure. They can absolutely increase sensation. Um, and then again, if you get into the, the BDSM and kink stuff, uh, it can be a really great add-on for, for nipple play, um, all, whatever you're into, you know, whether... I remember seeing uh, Fakir, you know, Fakir, he's yeah. the, the suspension guy. Yeah. The nipple piercings would be like suspended, like in midair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, whoa, this guy is like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was quite fascinating. So, yes, also used within the BDSM mm-hmm. community. How mm-hmm. safe in terms of uh, rates of infection and things like that? So, it no matter what the piercing there's there's always going to be a risk of infection and it won't be from my end because i'm i'm very um i mean i'm very knowledgeable in terms of you know bloodborne pathogens and yeah very meticulous with my my cleanliness and stuff but like any kind of of um you know wound because it is an open wound at the end of the day there's always going to be a risk of infection but i always tell people you know as long as you follow my aftercare instructions everything should be fine um but it's it's not very often I'll get people come in with like genuine infections. And again, I'm you know, I'm not a doctor. I can't really I won't yeah. tell people, oh yeah, this is definitely an infection, but I will advise them, hey, this definitely yeah, seems right. like it. Right. Yeah. So at this point, you should go see a doctor, get some antibiotics and stuff. But it's if that's the case, the piercings can be saved, it's okay. Just going to be really uncomfortable and probably a little bit painful for the first couple of days until the antibiotics kick in and then you're good to go. Great. Well, yeah. we certainly learned a lot today, <laughs> a lot, yeah. uh, quite eye-opening, and you're extremely knowledgeable, Nico. For people, for our listeners who are in Montreal, uh, do you want to give your uh, your place uh, a plug of the place you work at? Or yeah, you- for sure. So the, the studio I work at, I'm the head piercer at XS Tattoos and Piercings in Point Claire. We also have three locations. We have one downtown uh, Montreal at Crescent and De Maisonneuve, Point Claire, as I mentioned, and in Terrebonne as well. Okay, great. Yeah.
them a, a little uh, shameless plug. No, no worries. We'll That's put good. your information. People can always contact you on, uh, on social media and especially Absolutely. if you have questions, I, I can't answer those. So I'm going to throw them to you. You'll, you will answer those questions from our listeners. Be my, it would be my, my absolute pleasure. My DMs are always open. Wonderful. Nico, thank you so much. No problem. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Take care. You too. The headlines to headboards. This is sex in the news. Our crazy sex story involves a way to select a baby's sex, and it seems to be effective, but uh, (laughs) I don't understand. That's why it's a crazy sex story. Uh, First, let's go to the other headlines. It seems there's always a political group. It doesn't matter whether you're on the right or the left. One of them's always up to something. Uh, And in Florida, the Republicans are taking aim at basic sex education. They're saying they no longer want you to say, period. Right. So you were, I'm sure you were thinking, oh, you can't say the word blowjob and you can't say whatever. But no, this is about, it goes even beyond that. Now, this is obviously a, you know, a big headline uh, maybe we'll we'll pick it apart a little bit. But this is an article posted by Fabiola Sinius. I want to give that person credit, uh, who says, while many of the controversial education bills in Florida have limited how schools teach about history or gender, the latest bill is turning back to a more traditional target for conservatives, which is sex education. It's been in the news quite a bit uh, all over the United States because, you know, people are, we, we've talked about, the materials that they use uh, and books that they're banning if they have any kind of um, sexuality in them and and other things, obviously. But now what they want is uh, that they um, they're telling schools to teach a specific definition of sex and reproductive roles. They get to decide. So this follows the other laws like the Don't Say Gay Law and the Stop Woke Act that basically restricts what teachers can talk about in the classroom, uh, and it's usually about sex education in uh, in this case, and it's also giving um, parents and community members the power to object to materials. Now, it's not like the materials are coming from porn. We're talking about in all over uh, Canada, the U.S., the, there are standards, there are uh, uh, committees, there are organizations that provide comprehensive sex education tools and materials. I mean, I'm involved in one in in Quebec um, that we provide those kinds of materials and tools. So it's not like coming from anybody. These are educated people uh, who uh, know about the what kids need developmentally and, and all of that stuff. But what they're prohibiting now is that they only want... Uh, sex education to be taught, I believe, from grade six on or grade seven on, something like that. So the problem that that the um, the opposers of this are saying is that it's prohibiting conversations about menstrual menstrual cycles, which girls typically get between ten and fifteen. So if mm-hmm. they're in fifth grade or fourth grade and getting their period. They're not allowed to talk about it. The teachers aren't allowed to talk about it. So these kids are kind of left in uh, in the dark. So, and this is clearly um, problematic. So uh, they they're moving away from comprehensive sex education and moving back 
into more abstinence only education into into that but the problem is is that the research shows that <clears throat> more than half of Florida's 12th graders had already had sexual intercourse this is a study in 2019 by the CDC and of those that were sexually active half of them didn't use condoms so what are we going to get when you don't use condoms yeah. you're going to get pregnancy you're going to get STIs so all of these things and they're you know they're trying to push the conservative hugely conservative agenda, right? Um, and what? who's going to suffer and who's going to pay the price? And it's not just that. They're also, you're not allowed to teach about anything other than the binary, you know, you're either male or you're female, that's it, that's all. So they, um, the people who oppose this obviously have argued that this is an attack on trans students or trans faculty members or LGBTQ uh, uh, kids, etc. cetera. Uh, and this is, uh, it's problematic. So yes, this article talks about not saying the word period, but that's just one example of what happens mm-hmm. when you restrict any kind of sexual health information to only the higher grades and you don't talk about it to kids who are going through puberty. So, you know, girls can go through puberty at 10 years old and they're not getting the information. So it, it I think the worry here is how far is this going to go? So we're already at the stage of burning books, banning books, um, you know, restricting sexual health information. I just, I feel like we're going backwards. And to me, it's scary. I mean, the states are. I'm thankful I'm where I live and we believe in comprehensive sex education and we practice this in, in Canada. But it's scary to see what's going on, frankly, in uh, other parts of the world. Yeah, and it's a conversation that um, is, is difficult because it involves parents of different levels, educators of different levels and comfort levels. Like there's some teachers that are like, hey, if I don't have to teach it, it makes my life easier. Just give me math. It's easy. Um, and then you add in, you know, the, the educators above, like the superintendents and that sort of stuff. And then the government above that, there's just so many parts to it that it's hard to come up with what what should be done well, is sometimes being blocked by different parties along the way, and that makes it difficult and or watered down or re- irrelevant 100%. or too late. Or I mean, it's just it's a tough one. It is, and uh, listen, I I do believe that sex education should be taught not necessarily by the teachers in the school teaching math and science and such, because you can't impose that on somebody. You want to bring in someone who is objective, who's going to give you the science-based information and who's trained in talking yeah. about sexual health, who is trained in child development so that they can uh, give appropriate, age-appropriate information. And this is where a lot of teachers are at a loss, and I don't blame them. So you know, many of them may not be comfortable talking about it, or maybe they have a hard time separating their own beliefs from what they're teaching. And maybe some of the things are just uncomfortable for them. So, like, it, it, you know, the whole thing is messed up, frankly. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely work to be done on that front. Also in the headlines, uh, the microbiome found inside the penis can be altered by vaginal sex. So the microbiome, we've talked about this. We've had shows on the vagina. And when we think of microbiomes, we think of the vaginal environment, right? Which is made up of a bunch of uh, bacteria. Bacteria is not a bad word, by the way. Some bacteria is no good, but you know, there's all kinds of bacteria. So that's the, the, the microbiome. But now research has found, has found that the male urethra, which is the tube you know, that is through, that goes through the penis and, and where urine exits the body. Um, it also has an array of bacteria. Some of it is just there and some of it is picked up during vaginal sex. And that's the interesting piece here. So there was a, a Indiana University School of Medicine was looking at uh, men's urethra. So men had to volunteer to have their urethra swabbed, you know, again, uh, maybe a, a, a leg crossing thought for, for many guys, but they did detect bacteria, two different bacterias. They detected ones that live in the presence of oxygen and therefore they live kind of near the tip of the penis and those that cannot live with oxygen and probably are higher up in the, uh, the urethra. So what, what they found in one group was that the um, they found that uh, it was dominated by bacteria that are often disrupted in the condition called bacterial vaginosis, which is uh, happens in in women when a woman's vagina's microbiome gets out of sync, then there's an unusual vaginal discharge. Sometimes this is how women complain: itchy, smelly, all of all of that stuff. Uh, so what they found was that the only the men who reported having vaginal sex had BV associated bacteria, which suggested that they got that during vaginal sex. So those that did not use a condom, it had nothing to do with oral sex or anal sex. It was really about the vagina. So um, I think the, the main takeaway here is that A, they wanted to establish what's what is the back? What are the normal bacterias in a in a penis, and which bacterias can come from a sex partner, a female sex partner, that can then be transferred to another woman? So, if you're having sex with someone without a condom, and the woman has a BV or bacterial vaginosis, then it can go into your urethra, and then it can be passed on maybe to another woman. So, something that was not considered a sexually transmitted infection now suddenly can be when you talked about when we talk about bacterial vaginosis. So just an interesting little piece of science. Mm -hmm. And our crazy sex story, when I first read the headline, I thought this was about crazy sex reveals that mom and dads do <laughs> when they're having kids. And yep. I was like, oh, not another crazy sex reveal story. But then I reread the headline. It's a new technique to select a baby's sex. Uh, and it appears to be safe at 80% effective. This according to a study. Uh, this sounds, I don't know, a little, I know moms and dads get obsessed about getting things and, you know, getting what they want, whether it's two boys and a girl or three right, girls right. or whatever. Uh, to me, it seems like they should just let nature do its course, but 
what is it, what's the study saying? So this is about so the selection of sperm, not the selection of embryo. So an embryo is already the sperm and the egg that has been, uh, you know, uh, put together, and it, you can determine if it's a female embryo or a male embryo, and that would be implanted, etc. This is about more like sperm washing, sperm separating. So separating the the X, uh, the ones with an X chromosome to the ones with the Y chromosome, which would produce a male offspring. And what this study found is that sperm with an X chromosome are actually slightly heavier than the Y. So that's why they are able to separate out those to the so that they can do this this is it's not about what can't what can be done is it right to do it is the bigger uh, the bigger question. So sure, it's effective when they do their sperm washing and they whatever or their sperm selection and they however they're implanting the sperm or, or whatever turkey basting it whatever it is it, it's it's apparently working up to eighty percent of the time instead of like the 50-50 when you're, you know, just having sex and whatever. You don't know what, what you're going to get. So um, the problem is, is the the ethical considerations with this. So we know that this uh, sex selection of embryos is, I, I think it's illegal in many places, but this is a kind of a way separating the sperm before implanting or before creating the embryo or however else they're doing it, that's the loophole that maybe they're getting around. But we have to think about what this means um, in a much, you know, maybe in the future in terms of people selecting the the, the sex of their offspring. Uh, like I think about what happened in China when they had the one-child rule uh, way back when, and this was a time when uh, girl babies were left up for adoption because girl babies were not desirable. It was male babies that were desirable. And so now you have a society of mostly males who are finding it very difficult to find female partners to wed and make families with. Uh, because of this. So that's the implication years down the road. So you can only think about what could be the implication of this. What next? Are we going to be choosing the, the eye color of our babies? Are we like, I get it when there's a genetic, when, you know, when there's a genetic problem and you do not want to pass on um, some genes that could harm the, the child's life or what have you. And that's been done forever, that kind of genetic testing and, and testing sperm and, and such. But this is, this is purely for what? For preference reasons, not for, not for genetic reasons, uh, like, you know, problem reasons. So this is, a, I think, fraught with a lot, a lot of ethical and moral uh, dilemmas here. It's a crazy times. <laughs> yeah. Well, science is amazing, but also, you know, we've talked about this, right? Like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Yeah. I think that's a motto we should all work by. Just because you can 
doesn't mean you should, but of course, uh, the world continually uh, changes and all we can do is give you the information and let you decide what is right for you. 100%. Coming up on the next edition of Passion Erotic and Autoerotic Asphyxiation. I got it. Choking. Basically choking. Choking. Yes. Choking. Again, it's, it, it, I, I, I understand. I've heard people talk about it. Uh, I've seen the articles online. It's, uh, it seems odd to me, but it, it's a thing. Well, it's a bigger and bigger thing. And if you look just at the statistics of young teenage boys dying that look like suicides, but they're actually really, not. Eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's scary. So I read a couple of articles that really triggered uh, like the thinking on this. And I said, okay, I got to share this. Fascinating. We'll get to that. Uh, so watch for your downloads. Make sure you like and follow and all that stuff on the podcast so that you get notification when the next one goes live. Absolutely. And let's thank a few people now. Uh, Stephen Voice is our musical director. All the music you hear on this podcast is his original music. If you want to follow him on uh, YouTube and everything else, it's uh, his last name is spelled V-O-Y-C-E. So that's Stephen Voice. You'll love all his other stuff. He's a very talented young fellow. Uh, Alex is our social media coordinator. Linda is our researcher. And special thanks to one of our uh, supporters, WODMTL, at Workout of the Day in Montreal. They are a boutique gym in the West Island. So if uh, you live out by this way, check them out at WODMTL. And of course, thank you to all of you, our listeners. We do this because of you. And we're very happy to report that um, we get downloaded quite a bit. So we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> we get downloaded quite a bit is a good statement. And we like to continue. So anything you can do to help would be appreciated. Dr. Lori, we'll chat again next week. We shall. Take care, John. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul. To submit questions, business inquiries, or just to connect, visit drlori.com. Thank you for supporting Passion. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.